have your Bibles, open them to James chapter 1. I, I know that you said that no one was new here tonight, but I, I just want to just quickly go through uh, the first couple verses that we've been studying. I've been taking my time going through this book intentionally. I'm not in any hurry to get through it because I want you, I want the word to be burned into you. I want you to understand this book uh, like you've never understood a book before. And, and so we are going to continue to just take our time and go through it. And it's my prayer that, that you really get this deep into your spirit. Um, one of the things that I would say about the scripture we're going to look at tonight is I believe that it's misinterpreted a lot. I have misinterpreted it. Uh, I think that one of the things that I stress so much when I preach is that we keep the text in context. When you take the text out of context, all you're left with is a con. We have to be careful that when we quote scripture, when we talk about scripture, we always keep it in the context that the writer was writing it in. And so that's important that you see this tonight as we go through a specific verse that I believe we, we take out of context a whole lot. And so let's just start in verse, chap, in verse 1 of chapter 1. James is, is writing this. He is the brother of Jesus, and he calls himself a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've talked about how a bondservant is, is a slave, and James is starting straight out the gate modeling the servant-lordship uh, relationship. A slave does what his master says. He doesn't question his master. And he's writing to the 12 tribes that have been scattered among the nations. And, and they've been scattered because of persecution. And they are living in a time of great trial, of great testing. They've lost, they've lost a lot. It's cost them a lot. Their faith is, has been tested. And they are hurting people. And James is writing to them. And he's writing saying that, that they should consider it pure joy that they're encountering trials of many kinds. Because he says that those trials are producing something in you that can't be produced any other way. And he says this producing patience. And, and, and he said, when that patience has its perfect work, you're going to be complete and mature and not lacking anything. That the whole basis of our life here is to mature us, to bring glory to God as we do. He says, but, but as, you are, as you are going through these trials and this testing, if you don't know how to get through them successfully, just ask God for wisdom. And he'll give it to you liberally without finding fault. He's not going to fault you for asking, Lord, how do I maneuver through this? How do I get through this successfully? How do I walk through this victoriously? You just ask him and he'll give it to you. He'll give you that information. He'll give you the ability. And then he says, when you ask and you get that wisdom from God, don't doubt that he's given it to you. Don't doubt the truth of what he says to you. When you go to his word and you get wisdom from his word and how to, to maneuver the trial that you're in, don't doubt the truth behind it. His word is true. It's yea and amen to those who believe. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. We can trust his word. And so James says, when you go to it and you hear his word, believe it. Because if you doubt, you're going to be like a man, uh, and he says a double-minded man. That's a two-souled man. And you're going to be unstable in all your ways. You're going to be like a wave tossed in the sea. You don't want to live unstable. And so James says, here's the answer. Just believe God. Believe that he's telling you the truth. And then he talks in verses 9 through 11, he talks about the brevity of life. He talks about how this life is a vapor and that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And so how we live matters. How we live matters. And then in verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. 
And he talks to us about enduring temptation and how there is a, a, the crown of life that awaits us. And he says, but while you're enduring those temptations and while you're being tempted, don't ever think that God is the author of those temptations. Don't blame that on God. God may be allowing that temptation, but he is not the author of it. And you're tempted then to blame the devil, but notice that James doesn't even talk about the devil here. He says instead that when you and I are tempted, we've been enticed by our own lustful desires. It's our own desires and passions that lead us astray. And the Bible says that when we're tempted, we're drawn away by our own desires and we're enticed. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death every time. And we talked about that word death, and, and really it's, it's that severing of fellowship with God. It, it just brings a place of, uh, of just uh, broken fellowship with him. And we talked about BFF, broken fellowship, full, and, and how it's so important that everything we do. I love um, Bill Johnson. He said, if you had a dove on your shoulder and you didn't want it to fly away, what would you do? He said, you would do everything with that dove in mind. And then he goes on to say, James goes on to say, do not be deceived, my brethren. Don't be deceived that the enemy is trying to deceive you. He's trying to, to, to convince you that you can live however you want. It doesn't matter that God's word is really not true, that, 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 that you can take the bait and be enticed into his trap because then he has you. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by your own lustful desires. And then he says, every good and perfect gift is from above, that everything you and I need, it's coming down from God above. He will provide it for us. That we can trust that everything good coming from him is beneficial. And that we should not call evil what God says is good. Nor should we call good what God says is evil. And then tonight I want to look at verses 18 through 25. Let's read those now. So then, or let's start at verse 18. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of God does not produce the righteousness of God. For the anger of man, I'm sorry, the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and, and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of, of the work this one will be blessed in all that he does. As I said, th this is really a, a scripture that I believe is grossly misinterpreted. I've done it. We've taken it out of context. We always say to people, a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And we use it in that context when I believe as we look at it tonight, that is not the context that James is using it in. 
Does it change the fact that that's true? Absolutely not. We need to be quick to listen. When I'm talking to Karen, I need to be quick to listen, not quick to speak. I need to listen to what she has to say. And if she offends me, I need to not be quick to be angry. And so, yes, it's a principle that still works, but it's not the principle that James is talking about here. Let's just look at it uh, from the beginning here in verse 18. He said, of his own will, he brought us forth. Now, I want to stop there, and I don't want you to miss something. That word brought us forth is the same word that's used in verse 15 when he says, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. It's a birthing term. And what James is saying is we get to choose how we respond and what we're bringing forth out of our life. God brought us forth, I want you to see this, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. That word first fruits, uh, if if you've ever read anything about first fruits or or, or or done any study in it, you will know that the first fruits, that that in in Bible times, the first fruits of of the crop was brought to God as as a thank offering. It was brought to honor him. That first fruit was always consecrated. It was, it was set apart for God. It was given to God, and, and God couldn't, and it could not be taken back. And so he's saying, you and I are first fruit, the first fruits of God. We're the cream of the crop. We are put here to honor him in everything that we do. And now as first fruits, James will begin to tell us how to develop character in keeping with first, with first fruits. But don't miss the fact that, he's, that he uses brought us forth both in verse 18 and, and in 15 he talks about bringing something forth. In other words, he's saying that that is that birthing ter- term, that, that we will be birthed, that, that there will be life that comes forth from something. In verse 18, it's death that comes forth from sin. In, in verse whatever it was, uh, 19, what, 15 and 18, it is we are brought forth with the word of truth. We've come to Jesus when we hear the gospel and we respond to it. It's that word of truth that brings us forth, brings forth new life in us. The gospel, the word of truth, the Bible will always bring forth life. But we are put here to be first fruits. Everything he has done for us has been done so that we can manifest him here on earth. We are called to look like him, to act like him, so that those who don't know him can see him in us. But we get to decide how we respond to all of this, James is saying. You can go through this trial because life is going to have trials. In this world, you will have trouble, not you might. Trials are going to come, but when they do, we have to embrace them and say, God, you are forming something in me that can't be formed any other way. I am not going to take the bait of the enemy and respond to this in the wrong manner. I'm not going to sin and let let it bring forth death in me. I am going to choose to get in your word, let it bring life. I'm going to choose to be a first fruit. I'm I'm going to live. I'm going to live out loud for you. He says, whatever you do, Don't blame God if you respond to a trial or a temptation in the wrong way. You only have yourself to blame. But it's so interesting to me that in verse 18, he says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. We're talking about the word here, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. 
So then, he says, and, and if you have a different translation, the, the, the New King James says, though, so then, but the ESV says, know this. The, the Amplified says, understand this. But my favorite is, be aware of this thing. He said, so then, be aware of this thing, my beloved brother. Now, let's just start, stop right there. I, I have to just smile when I read that because th this is James, and he's going to now deliver something that's going to be hard to hear. <laughs> and I love it that he couched it with, my beloved brethren. He, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to tell you this as gently as I can because I love you. This is coming from a heart of love. That, that what I'm about to say is going to be hard to hear, but please hear my intentions, that it is because I love you that I'm saying this. Notice he calls them brethren. That tells me that he's writing to who? Christians. This is not to unbelievers. And so he's saying, but, 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 but know this. Know this. Be aware of this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to listen. So my brothers, take note of this. Be aware of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That word here, there, now remember, I want you to see that we have taken this, I believe we've taken this out of context. We've, we've said you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But really, James is talking here about the word of God. Look in verse 18. He's talking about the word of truth. And in verse um, 21, he's talking about the implanted word. In 22, he's talking about being doers of the word. In 23, he's saying if, if, you, if you don't do and uh, if you hear the word and don't do it, you're like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away forgetting what he looks like. And then in verse 25, he talks about the, the law of liberty, the word again. So why would James take one little scripture, verse 19, and stop talking about the word? I believe he's still talking about the word in verse 19. And he's saying, he brought you forth by the word of truth. So then, because of this, be aware of this. Every man needs to be quick to listen, quick to hear. My, my translation says swift to hear. And it's interesting. I looked up that word here, and it's a kuo. Does anybody know what a kuo is? I, it means that I'm not just hearing with my ear, that I'm going to be attentive to what I hear. So in other words, I don't just hear it, I'm going to do it. And if I don't do what I've heard, I didn't really hear it. That's why we're told over and over in Scripture that they hear, but they do not hear. Because you're hearing, but you're not doing it. So you really haven't heard it, is what Scripture's saying. And that's the word that's used there. Every man needs to be quick to listen, to take, to sit with this word of truth, to sit when God is speaking to you, and be quick to listen, to, to not just hear it, but to apply it to your life, to take what you've heard in the word of God and be attentive to it. To sit, to not be quick to get away from this word, to sit in it until he speaks to you. He said, so then, uh, be aware, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak. I, uh, now, these are imperatives. They're commands. They're commands. They're not, maybe if you feel like it, these are commands. The, the book of James is full of imperatives. It's full of commands. And, and some of you, you don't like that. You don't like the commands of God. I, I heard a preacher say this past week, and I love this. I want to make sure that I get it, I get it quoted correctly. 
he said, the imperatives of the word of God are grounded in the indicatives of the word of God. I'm going to say that again. The imperatives, the commands of the word of God are always grounded in the indicatives of the word of God. Indicative, a statement of fact. What's the fact about you in the word of God? That you are dearly beloved. That you are the head and not the tail. That, that you are accepted in the beloved and dearly loved by him. That, that there is nothing you and I can do to ever separate ourselves from the love of God. That his hand is on us. That, that nobody can snatch us out of his hand. Those are the indicatives that we know. And so knowing that, knowing those things, see, this is how it's not works. Because because we know those things, we can accept the imperatives a little bit easier. And so he said, every man needs to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And slow to become angry. He, he is reminding them who they are. My beloved brethren, beloved of God. Let me remind you who, who you are. You can't perform for his love. You can't strive for his love. You, you can only accept his love. And, and because of his love for you, because of his great love for you, let's respond this way. He said, need to be quick to listen to a kuo. And then he said, it implies an eagerness to hear God's word and receive it in our life. I came across a scripture this week, Psalm 119, 131. It said, I love this. I open my mouth and pan it with eager desire, for I long for your commandments. I've been thinking about that. And do I pant with eager desire for God's word? Am I eager to hear, to listen to his word? Do I go to his word and say, Lord, I'm not going to leave till you speak to me. I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. I am eager to hear from you. I am panting with eager desire. Are we hungry for God's word? I love Mark uh, 4.24 in the Amplified. It says, he said to them, be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to those who hear. For to him who has been given much, what he's been given will not be taken from. So we need to be careful what we're hearing. We need to sit with that word of God. Let it wash over us. Be attentive to what we're hearing in the word of God. Give it careful thought and study. Because the same measure of thought and study we give to those will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to us and more besides. He says, don't just be quick to listen, be slow to speak. Especially as a preacher, I need to do this. I, 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 Dave came home tonight and he said, how's the study going, baby? And I said, I just wish I had two more, two more days in this scripture. I just wish I, I didn't have to preach tonight. I wish I could sit with it for two more days because you see, I'm conscious. I'm conscious that I'm delivering God's word to you. I'm conscious that I needed to be quick to, to, to listen and I needed to sit there until God spoke everything he wanted to speak. I needed to study to show myself approve a workman who is not ashamed, who correctly handles the word of God and I need to not speak until I'm sure I heard from God. I take that very seriously. I will never deliver a message that hasn't first been delivered to me. 
that hasn't first spoke to my heart. I'm not going to water down God's word because I am going to have to give account for that. And so I'm going to be slow to speak until I know that I've heard from him. I have to be quick to listen, get in his presence and listen till that word comes alive in me. And only when I hear him speak do I speak it to others. John Stott says we talk way too much and listen too little. Have you ever done this when somebody's talking to you? You're thinking in your head how you're going to reply. Like you're working it up in your head. I'm going to say this when she's done. Or you might even interrupt so you can say because your words are so important, you know. So you can, you can be heard. Sometimes I do that to God. And what James is saying is you need to be quick to listen. Just sit there and listen to God. Let him speak to you. Hey, don't just come and be quick to speak. Sometimes we speak his word out to other people and, and it hasn't even spoken to us. We're so quick to speak that word over somebody else's life. I read this in the scripture this morning. I think it's for you. No, it's for you. And he says, quick, uh, that word speak, it means to use words in order to declare one's mind and disclose one's thoughts. He's saying you need to be slow to express your soul's thought. Just because you think something doesn't mean you have to speak it. And it's interesting to me, you can't listen when you're speaking. And you certainly can't listen when you're angry. That's why he's saying, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Proverbs says, when words are many, sin is not absent. And then he says, slow to become angry. I love the Amplified because it adds, slow to take offense. Slow to take offense. Now remember, if we're keeping it, and I'm going to, and hear me say that I'm not saying the scripture is not applicable to somebody to be slow to speak, quick to listen and slow to become angry. I'm not saying it's not applicable to somebody who's struggling with anger to say a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying let's look at the context where James is, is speaking this. Are you with me? And so he says, I want you to be slow, not just to become angry, but the word means to be offended. Here's what I see. I'm just gonna shoot from the hip. I'm not building a church. I'm building disciples. I think I'm building warriors, frontliners. I don't have to worry about numbers. You want to come back, come back. But I promise you, I'm preaching the solid word of God. I promise you I'm not compromising the word of God. And I promise you that when you sit under the word, you will be changed. You will be. But what happens is preachers want to water down that word because they don't want to offend anybody. I'm telling you that God's word is a stumbling block for people, and you need to stumble over it. You need to stumble so that you look at your own life and apply it. That's That's why we need to be quick to listen. Lord, I want to hear. I always tell Davey, you don't have to correct me, buddy. When I get up in the morning and sit at that table with the word of God, he takes care of it all on his own because I'm quick to listen. Lord, I want you to correct me. I want my life to bring about the righteous life that you desire. I want to look like you. And so correct me because the Bible says that we are deceived by the pride of our heart. We don't want to see it, and so we're deceived. But I'm afraid in the church today... We've watered down the word so nobody is offended. 
I can't tell you the number of people who, who I've seen, you know, be like that. I just leave convicted and I don't want to go because I'm convicted when I leave there. If you're not convicted when you leave, I've done something wrong. There's a big difference between being convicted and being condemned. Those are two different words. But God's word, and I, I take seriously what I do. I, have a, I could be home with my man. I love Kendall, sweet Kendall, I, I, I get very little time with her. I would love to be home with Kendall and with Dave tonight. Are the brewers playing? I'd love to watch the brewers. I don't want to miss the brewers. But, but I'm telling you, I take seriously what I'm doing. But, the, but James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become offended by God, by his word. You say, oh, I, I don't want my sins pointed out. I, I don't want to be convicted. I don't want to have to look at those things in my life. You say, well, Rhea, show me where people were offended in the word of God. Oh, I can take you to a bunch. Let's just start with John the Baptist. Uh, you know, John the Baptist comes, and he's saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And here's a man whose sandals I'm not even fit to untie. And, and he is all in. He's eating locusts and wild honey. And he is dressing in hair. And, and he is... I, I, He's given it all for, for the Lord. He knows what he's called to do, and he's doing it well. And then all of a sudden, he lands in prison, and he's going to be beheaded. And, and the Bible says that the disciples came to him, and he said to the disciples, go ask Jesus, are you the one we were waiting for? Are you even the Messiah, or should we expect somebody else? He's ticked off. He's in jail. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He's being persecuted. He's in a trial right now. And how is he responding to it? And so the disciples go back and Jesus said, tell him this. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking, and blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. That word fall away, it means scandalon. It, it means offended. Blessed is the man who is not offended because of what I'm doing in his life, because of the test and the trial he's in right now. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to take offense. Mary and Martha, I, I chuckle when I think about that story and, and how they sent the, the messenger when their brother was sick, and they said, Jesus, the one you love so well is, die, is sick. And Jesus said, tell them that the sickness will not end in death. So the messenger goes back. He's going to deliver this good news to them, and he finds Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha, hear the word. Here's the word of the Lord for you, Mary and Martha. This sickness will not end in death. Yeah, right, Lazarus is dead. You say, well, how do you know they were offended? Because when Jesus shows up, he delays two more days, and when he finally shows up and Lazarus is in the grave already, Mary and Martha, what do they say to him? If you had been here, it's your fault. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. What were you thinking? They were offended, I believe. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become offended. We've got to learn to rest that God is a good, good father, that he is working in ways we cannot see, and whatever he has allowed in our life is for his glory and for our good, and we've got to make up our mind that that is truth and embrace every trial and every tribulation with that attitude. When we come to this word, we come to it for power. We come for a word of truth because I'm telling you, situations, our circumstances lie. We can't believe what we're seeing in the, nat in the natural. And so we come to this word because it is the word of truth. Everything I read in here is truth. 
And so I need to be quick to listen to it. I need to be slow to speak every, all the anger that's inside of me. I need to be slow to be offended with God because the wrath of God, the anger of, God, the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. He says, you need to, and I love this, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. When I go to the word of God, I need to be quick to listen, to receive that word in me, not be offended by it, but humbly and with meekness, with an understanding that God has good for me. I want to read the definition of that word for meekness. Some of you have heard me say it before. I just think it's powerful. That word meekness in the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. It is the disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. James is saying, accept with meekness the word of God, the implanted word of God, which can save your soul. What did I say soul means? Your mind, your will, your emotions. James is saying, you know, accept with meekness. Don't question it. Don't be offended by this word. When I come to this word and I read something and I feel convicted by it, if I look in that mirror and I walk away and forget what I look like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to walk away and forget what that word said about me. And we're going to talk about that next week. But, but that's what we do when we go to the word and he speaks a truth into our heart. And we don't receive it. We don't let it become implanted in us. Yesterday was Mother's Day and I, I just, you know, my children are all, besides little Kendall, my children are all grown adults and on their own and I rarely see them and, you know, they called yesterday or text and, and I just... Oh, I was just reflecting about their childhood and growing up and, and how I was so busy raising them, I didn't enjoy them like I wanted to. I can't wait for grandbabies to write that wrong. But, 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 but I was just reflecting on their lives and how, uh, uh, moms, you'll remember this, when, when they were in preschool or kindergarten, they, they would bring this Dixie cup full of dirt. And it was a seed that they had put in there with their teacher weeks before in preparation for Mother's Day. And, and then they would bring it home, and we would, together, over the weeks after following Mother's Day, we would watch that seed germinate and produce new life. And it was so fun to watch that little thing breaking through the ground and, and, being, and watching the new life and the fruit that came from that seed. And that's what James is saying here. The Word of God is called the seed. It's where we get our word uh, sperm. If you look at the word, I think it's spermo or something like that, and it means sperm. And what happens when a sperm, what does a sperm do? It gets fertilized and produces, doesn't it? And that's the word of God. It's seed in us. And, and our hearts are fertile ground. That's why we have to be careful what we're taking in, what we're planting in our life, because our, our hearts will receive any kind of seed, whether it's good or bad. It's fertile. It's fertile for the enemy to deposit. It's fertile for God to deposit. That's why we got to be careful what we're watching on TV, that evil, that, the horror stuff. We're depositing that stuff into our spirit, into our hearts, into our minds. But God's word is seed. And when you deposit seed into good ground, what happens? 
it produces offspring. It produces life. And so he says humbly, humbly, with meekness, understanding that God has good for us, accept the seed, the word of God, which is planted in you, because it has the power to save your soul. Power to save your soul. One of the things that I see in myself and in so many other people as I minister is we don't mind our mind. We don't, we don't renew our mind with the word of God, and so we aren't, trans, we aren't um, transformed. We don't look any different than the unbeliever down the street. And James is summing it up, and he's saying, as you go through temptations, as you go through trials, understand that you are going to be brought forth with the word of truth. That life is going to come out of you as you sit in this word. This is the only way. I'm telling you, I, I'm coming through a trial right now, and, and I lived in this word. But, but what the enemy tries to do when you're in a trial, and he tried it with me, what well, was to just turn me off. I was offended with God. God, you allowed this trial in my life. God, you allowed me to be hurt like this, and you didn't do anything about it. And I became a little offended with God. And so what went by the wayside? This word. The thing I needed, the very thing that I needed, the word of life, the thing that was going to bring me life was the thing that the enemy enticed me to stay away from. And James is reminding us, when you go through a trial, when you go through temptation, when you yourself, it doesn't have to be a temptation or it doesn't have to be a trial that's from the outside. It can be a temptation from the inside because that temptation, when you give into it, will wreck your life. It will wreck your life. It'll bring forth death every single time. How would our lives change if, if every temptation to sin that, that we have, if I'm tempted to, I don't know, give me some temptations. If I'm tempted to steal, if I would think that's going to wreck my life. If I was tempted to lose my temper and tell somebody a thing or two, which is my struggle, I, that's going to wreck my life. I'm going to be sorry I said that. I'll give you an example. My niece, Katie apple of my eye. I have been texting her, trying to call her since March. She has not responded to any of my texts, to any of my, I try to FaceTime her, she doesn't, her, her little girl FaceTimes me and I can see it come up on my phone. I try to get it, I can't get it right away, so I call her right back and they don't answer and I'm like, Dave, she just called me. I know she's right by her phone, and I can't believe she's not answering that phone. I can't even believe that she's not picking up that FaceTime. Today, she texts me, and I'm like, now she texts. She needs something. She wanted something from me. And so I sent her a text back asking a question before I was going to give her what she asked for. And she didn't answer me. And I'm like, okay, now I'm getting a little angry. I sent her a birthday uh, text. She didn't answer it. I called her on the phone. She didn't answer it. Leslie was with me. We made a video for her. Happy birthday. Corny video with the girls acting out. And, and I sent it to her in her text, and she never even acknowledges it. And I'm like, oh, this is my apple in my eye. This is my niece. I love her. So I call my sister, and I'm like, hey, Rob. I, just, I didn't even call. I text her. I said, Robin, can you just tell me what's up with Katie? Because, you know, I'm going to tell her a thing or two because... I am not going to play emotional blackmail. 
I'm calling that thing out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it out. I'm her auntie for a reason, and I'm going to tell her that is ungodly behavior, and she needs to just stop it, and you know me. I'm going to do it. And Rob says, no, I'm pretty sure, Rhea, you haven't done anything. I would know if you did it. You didn't do it. I'm like, I know I didn't do anything. You just need to find out what is up. And like I, all day long, I'm thinking, and I'm going to say this to her, and I'm going to point out this scripture to her, and I'm going to put her in her place. I know that you are so spiritual and you never think like that. So my sister called me tonight and Katie is standing there with her and she's like, Rhea, I'm with Katie and she says that she sent you a text today and you didn't respond to it. And I'm like, and she said that she's been FaceTiming you over and over and over and, and you have not responded to it. And she's like, Rhea, what is going on? Because you're telling me one thing. Katie's telling me another. I, I have no idea what's happening here. And I hear her brother, my nephew, in the background, and he's like, Katie, give me your phone. Did you block Rhea? And she's like, why would I block Rhea? I didn't block Rhea. And little Polly, who is six years old, is kind of standing there. <laughs> Yeah, she blocked Rhea. And so now, every phone call I've made, every text I've sent, every video I've sent, every FaceTime I've tried, they don't even get. Joshua was like, try FaceTiming us right now. It didn't go through. So then he took it off. I, was, I don't know how they block it, but they did somehow, and they unblocked it. And, but now think about it. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I was just going to tell her a thing or two. I didn't have all the information I needed. What could have been avoided? Thank the Lord I didn't call her and she answered because they whizzed at a thing or two. And it would have brought forth death because I wasn't doing it God's way. You see that? And so maybe for you it's not anger. Maybe it's sex outside of marriage. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drug addiction. Maybe it's... Oh, give me some more. What? Food. Uh, maybe it is despair and hopelessness and self-pity and self-hatred. Maybe it's anxiety. You give in to that temptation, and it'll bring, it'll bring death every single time. Instead, he says, can you just go to this word, the word of truth, not what you're believing, not what you're seeing in the natural. Can you go to the word of truth? Remembering that you're his first fruits. You're the cream of the crop. You're his best offering. You've been sanctified, consecrated, and set apart. And so here's the character of somebody who does that. They are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become anger, angry because you realize that the, the, the anger, the the what is the NIV? I want to get the man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Anybody besides me, and I'm finishing, anybody besides me want to walk the righteous life that God desires? And I want to remind you, we said last week, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture tells us. Absolutely, positively. But that's your standing. Nothing can change that. That's who you are. But now, we're going to walk that out. What does it look like to walk that out? Your position with him is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're not talking about position. We're talking about living it out now. 
So a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. If I'm offended with God, it's not going to bring about the righteous life that he desires. The reason this word has offended me is to clean me up. The reason this word has offended me is to help me to walk in righteousness. And if I'm looking at this word and I'm refusing to see the truth and apply it to my life, and I'm offended with God that you would even point that out in my life, God, then I'm not going to have the righteous life that he desires. So my challenge for you this week is to get in this word and be quick, swift to listen. Lord, what do you want to speak to me? What do you want to say to me? I'm going to stay here not just till I read my devotion. I must sit with your word until I hear you speak because you want to speak with me. You want a fellowship with me. I don't care who you are. God wants to speak with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants intimacy with you. Remember I said last week, when you come to this word, it's a supernatural book. You cannot understand it with your natural minds. The Bible says that the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned and the natural man cannot understand it. And if I'm coming to this word in my natural state, just reading it like I want to read a storybook to my kids, I'm not going to understand it. I have to come to it and say, Lord, this is a supernatural book, and I need supernatural understanding. Speak to me. Give me understanding. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know you better. And sit with that word until he speaks to you. Be quick to listen to take what you've then heard, a kuo, and apply it to your life and begin to live it out. Be attentive to what he said to you. Be slow to speak, I think, also is my justification. Lord, this is why I did that. This is why I do this. You know, this is, let me just explain why I'm like this, Lord. Be slow to speak and slow to become offended with God and humbly receive this implanted word this implanted word that has the power to save your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. It'll transform. As you renew your mind in that word, it'll transform your life. And it is seed just like my children brought home in that little Dixie cup for Mother's Day. You don't see it right away, but before you know it, that thing will begin to germinate in you, and it will bring forth life. It will bring forth life. Now you have a choice. I've set before you life and death. He says, choose life. And every time in our life as we're tempted to sin, as we're tempted to do wrong, it's not God tempting us. It's not the devil causing it. It is our own sinful desires. And we do not have to give in to them. We can instead go to God's word and humbly accept it. Apply it to our life. Apply it to our situation. I want to get angry. I want to sin right now. But the, Lord, the word of God says that a man's anger doesn't bring about the righteous life that God desires. I'm not going to get angry. The Bible says that I, I can be angry, but I can't sin. Be in your anger, do not sin. And I'm about to sin in it, Lord. So I just need you. I need your presence. I need you to speak a word to me. I'm going to get in this word until you speak. And then it brings forth life. Instead of entertaining that sin, being enticed by it, getting in the trap of the enemy, and it bringing forth death. Do you see it? Then he goes on and says, not just be hearers of the word, but to do it. And we're going to look at that next week. It's interesting to me that he starts out telling us how to receive and accept the word, and then to hear and to do the word. Because really, you can't receive it and accept, you can't do it until you have accepted it in your life, till it's penetrated, till you understand it. 
So then you're going to just be a hearer and not a doer. So next week we're going to talk about being doers of the word and not just hearers only. We're going to go through the rest, believe it or not. We're going to get through this chapter next week. Uh, but, but we're going to talk about laying aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness. We're going to talk about being doers of the word and not hearers only. We're going to talk about going and looking in the word but not doing what it says. We're going to talk about how this is the perfect law of liberty, that it brings freedom, and how we're blessed when we do what it says. And then we're going to finish talking about how we are the first fruits called to manifest the presence of God, to, to, to look like him, to act like him, to love the way he loves, to, 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 to respond to the world the way he would respond to the world. But we can't do that until we get all of the first chapter down. So good stuff, isn't it? So good. It's interesting if you look at, at the, the book of James this week, as you go uh, to the book of, of James and just read through it, uh, those things, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, are now going to be covered. It's so cool how he does this in the next couple chapters. So we see quick to listen covered in verses 21 and chapter 1 through the whole chapter of 2. And then in the third chapter, verses 1 through 18, we see slow to speak, him talking about that. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and curses. This should not be. And then... Uh, slow to become angry is addressed in, in chapter 4. Where do wars and fights come from? Do they not come uh, from your own desires for pleasure inside of you and the war that goes on inside of you? And so he talks about anger then in, in verse 3. So we've talked about how that applies to the word of God and being quick to listen to that and, and all of those things apply now to the word of God. Now he's going to flesh them out for you in the natural, a practical application of them in verses 2 and three and four, and, and those are to come. Good stuff. So, Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Lord, I pray that this week as they open up your word, Lord, as I open up your word, that we would be quick to listen. Quick to listen, Lord. And that we would humbly accept that implanted word because it has the power, the dunamis, to save our soul. And so, Father, I pray that as we sit with your word this week, each person in this room, I pray for a now-ready word. I pray that the word would, would be alive to them, that their souls would be awakened with a hunger for your word, with a passion for you, Lord God. Lord, teach us about the righteous life that you desire. Thank you that you call us first fruits. Thank you that you call us your treasured possessions. Thank you, thank you that you take great delight in us, Lord. Thank you that you see us in a way we don't even see ourselves. You call us good and righteous. You call us holy and set apart. You call us your beloved. That's amazing. So now, Father, I pray that the enemy would not be able to snatch this word uh, from, from being deposited and implanted in the hearts and the minds of these men and women. I pray, Lord God, that it would bring forth a harvest, an abundant harvest in their life, Father. Continue to give clarity and understanding, Lord, the passage that we studied tonight. And bring yourself glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.